0: friends, welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I hope you're well wherever you are, whatever you're doing today. As I mentioned last week, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are going to be talking over the next three episodes about three common cognitive distortions that I regularly see play out in my office. If you're unfamiliar with cognitive distortions, I'm simply referring to unhelpful thinking patterns that all of us fall into from time to time, but which can lead to strong emotions, miscommunications, and if left unchecked, can negatively impact our mental health and relationships. The cognitive distortion we're talking about today is all or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking occurs when we process our experience in extremes and often in a negative way. All or nothing thinking is our mind's failure to cohesively see ourselves and the world as it actually is with all of its nuances. So it's thoughts like he or she isn't a good person and therefore totally bad. Or if I'm not successful, then I'm a complete failure or if i'm not totally happy in my marriage, then i'm probably never will be. You may have also heard this called black or white thinking, which leads us to avoid seeing any gray areas when actually that's how most things truly operate in the world. But when we believe the either or statements we tell ourselves, we often make quick, hasty, yet irrational decisions that often have consequences for our relationships. For example, If I believe that a person has no good in them, then I may avoid them or write them off altogether. If I believe that I'm a complete failure and always will be, then of course I'm going to give up on myself and on taking any risks in my life. And if I believe I'll be eternally unhappy in my marriage or that things are never going to get better, then why would I stay? Why wouldn't I just leave my current marriage in pursuit of a perfect state of happiness with another person? But these choices, to give up on people, ourselves, or our spouses, these are short-sighted choices. They're in no way based on what's best for us or others, but instead, based on what's easiest in the moment. And yet, these are the types of decisions that we can make when under the influence of all-or-nothing thinking. I'm wondering if you noticed the exaggerated language I used when giving these examples. Words or phrases like always or never are what all-or-nothing thinking tends to produce. So when you notice yourself saying things like always or never, that's a key indicator that you're being influenced by all-or-nothing thinking. And like I said, everyone does this from time to time, but when all-or-nothing thinking becomes a regular thought pattern in our minds, that's when our self-worth and relationships begin to suffer. So when all-or-nothing thoughts are directed at ourselves, as in I'm such a failure, I'm never going to get it right, then our self-esteem and self-worth can suffer as a result. And when those thoughts are directed at others, often this is where unrealistic expectations keep our relationships from thriving. Can you identify this thought pattern in your own mind? Have you heard yourself or spouse use all-or-nothing words like always or never? If you can, keep listening in and I'll tell you what to do about it. But first, this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, followed by one action step, next steps to take, and one prayer for your marriage. To get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com/quiz. Again, that's Bravemarriage.com/quiz. OK, before we talk about how to change all-or-nothing thinking, I wanna help you understand why our minds engage in this tendency in the first place. So our minds function in this way to save us time and energy. Our minds store and categorize information for ease of access when we need to retrieve it to make a good or quick decision. For example, as children, we learn not to touch the stove because why? Because it's hot, right? I was with my one-year-old nephew not too long ago and every time he would walk by the oven, he'd say hot because in his little brain, a stove is always hot and therefore never to be touched. So as my nephew illustrates all the time right now, our minds develop by utilizing this black or white, all or nothing thinking before we have the ability to form abstract thought, which happens around age 12 and continues into our early 20s. But what I'm trying to help you see is that all-or-nothing thinking serves us when we're little. It helps us learn and appropriately categorize things, which over time, as we form more associations and make judgments about our world, helps to conserve our mental energy, lest we have to consciously think about every single thing every single day. Can you imagine? But here's the problem. Our brains don't discriminate. Meaning, by nature, our primitive brains attempt to process all information in the same way, whether it's a hot stove, another person, or ourselves. So just because we develop the capacity for abstract thought doesn't necessarily mean that our thought patterns mature as we do. For example, we soon learn that a stove is not always hot, but sometimes we don't apply the same logical principle to the way we think about ourselves or others. In fact, I think most of us have untapped potential in terms of our ability to think better because we're not often taught in school how to think, or better yet, how to manage our own minds and mental health. We get stuck in thinking patterns that helped us when we were two, but don't so much now that we're 22 or 42. And here's what happens when we begin to make interpersonal decisions using black or white, all-or-nothing thinking. It creates unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others. It makes way too many false assumptions, disqualifies the positive, and leaves little to no room for nuance or grace. Let's use a real life example that most couples can relate to, household chores. Let's imagine that one of you has an ongoing mental to-do list, which your spouse seems to have trouble helping you tackle. But from the perspective of the other spouse, it seems that no matter how hard you try or how hard you work to help your spouse complete the to-do list, it just seems like nothing ever makes a difference to them. Can anyone relate? So I want you to identify which of these two characters you most closely relate to and insert yourself into this dialogue that I'm about to make up. You never help me with the chores around the house. How can you just sit there when there's so much to be done? I do help you with the chores around the house. What else do you want from me? What else do I want from you? Oh, not much, you know, just to do the dishes maybe, the laundry for once, or heaven forbid you throw your towel in the hamper and not on the floor. Don't start with me because every time I try to help you, you've already gone behind me to pick things up or do it for me. You always do it anyway, so why should I even bother? Well, if I didn't, things would literally never get done. Okay, so did you all pick up on the all or nothing language used here? Always was used once and never was used twice, and in fact, it's what started that fake argument in the first place. Now, why is that? It's because when we create mental categories for our spouses, characterizing them as always nagging or never helpful, it often leads to us labeling them or boxing them in in unfair ways. And when we're on the receiving end of that, our first instinct isn't to take ownership for the role we do play, but instead to defend our own honor. Our defenses go up because in those moments when we feel inaccurately represented, we become distracted from the real issue at hand, which is that our spouse is feeling burdened by housework and would like more help. And likewise, when we make exaggerated claims out of frustration for our spouse either not being able to read our minds, which is another cognitive distortion, or for not being helpful in the way that we want them to be, our spouse then feels unacknowledged for what he or she is doing to contribute and possibly not trusted, or even inferior to you. And so what began as our just trying to communicate what we wanted paradoxically ends up leading to our spouse sitting in his or her own negative self-talk saying, I'll never measure up or be who he or she wants me to be, which leads to inaction on the part of the spouse who's not helping, which leads to confirm the all-or-nothing bias in the other person's mind, and so the cycle goes. And so it's only once we begin to take responsibility for our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own words, and our own behaviors that we can really begin to make changes that contribute to our growing healthier as individuals and closer in our marriages. And if that's you, if you're at a place now where you can see the all or nothing thinking in your own life, here are a few ways to break that pattern. Number one, look for the positive. All or nothing thinking tends to lead toward us viewing ourselves and our spouse through a negative filter. So, as soon as you realize you're thinking in extremes, look for evidence that points to the positive. If you're giving yourself a hard time because you thought you'd be further along by now in some area, look for the positive. Maybe going at the pace you have has allowed you to grow in the ways that you needed to or to learn more than you would have had you reached a certain age or stage according to your timeline. If your irritation has grown toward your spouse because he always has to be the life of the party or she never wants to do anything fun, remember the good. That this trait your spouse embodies is likely something that drew you to him or her in the first place. Therefore, just because you're two different people doesn't mean a particular trait is all negative. It's what you've made that trait mean in your mind now that makes it negative. And when you can retrain your brain to look for the positive again, you'll be able to see your spouse again the way the rest of the world most likely sees him or her, which is probably more attractive than your viewpoint currently, and not just because you know your spouse better. And I say this because I have couples try to convince themselves and me (laughs) of this sometimes in my office, that if other people could only see what they see, right? But it's actually only because you're engaging in a cognitive distortion that you hold this view of your spouse, not because that's reality. Okay, number two, find the exception to the rule. This tip is similar to the one before, except here, the goal is to expand your evidence or options rather than simply looking for the positive. Because with all or nothing thinking, we often box ourselves and others in, it's important to remember that as adults, we have the capacity to think critically and discover all the nuances in things we once thought were black and white. For example, if you convince yourself that because you failed this time, you're always going to fail, look back through your life and find the exception to the rule. When were you successful in the past? When did you achieve a little something that you set out to accomplish? Or if you're trying to make changes within your relationship, you're trying to nag less or your spouse is trying to pursue you more, for example. It's easier than you know to sabotage your own progress because your brain goes to things are never going to change. This is the way it's always going to be. In which case, all you're doing is predicting a future that you've now created not in real life, but in your own mind, prophesying that things will never change. And so what does your mind do then, but look for evidence to support that thought or belief, right? So now you've overlaid this negative filter on your progress and this filter emphasizes all your old patterns while washing out any positive new ones. But when you can catch yourself in the middle of this thought and you find the exception to the rule, you begin to realize that, well, yes, there's probably a stack of evidence to support that your old ways are still present. It's also probably true that new ways of relating are emerging. And just because both are present doesn't mean that the old ways are going to win out. It just means that there's more work to be done. And holding on to those exceptions as models of hope and pictures of what your new norm could be is what's going to get you there. And number three, separate behavior from worth. All or nothing thinking leads us to extremes where we end up attaching performance or behavior to worth. For example, if you find yourself thinking, if I don't get this right, I'm never going to amount to anything, quickly correct yourself and give yourself grace by saying something even as basic but concrete as I am not my performance or my worth isn't based on perfection or if you find yourself denigrating the character of your spouse when he or she forgets to do something you asked, rather than saying you are so inconsiderate and selfish, you never pay attention. The first thing is remind yourself that your partner failing to behave exactly the way you want does not give you a license to put them down or criticize their worth. And once you make the shift in your mind, rephrase the way you express your dissatisfaction by saying, When you don't remember to do this or that, I feel alone, like we're not on the same team and like I'm not getting the help that I would like. Because when a person knows that they're loved despite their forgetfulness or shortcoming of any variety, it's much, much easier to grow and get better in that sort of environment. So your action step for today is to notice the next time you say, I always or you never or I never or you always, just take it back. And then implement one of the three ways I just gave you to try and disrupt your own pattern. For example, if you hear yourself say, I'm always the one to do X, Y, or Z, simply say, wait, let me take that back. I know I'm not always the one who's done X, Y, or Z, and I appreciate the times that you have taken care of it. I'm just feeling overwhelmed and would really like your help right now. I'm telling you guys, you will shock your spouse when you do this if they're not used to it. And I'm not saying that your relationship will get better overnight or that breaking your own pattern once is enough. But it is a personally empowering feeling to become self-aware and consciously choose to do something different and better. And over time, Little by little, you'll gain confidence in your ability to lead your mind and emotions rather than letting them lead you into poor relational decisions and ultimately to places you don't want to go. All right, friends, my prayer for you this week is that as you grow and become more self-aware, that you wouldn't look to the right or to the left or into the eyes of your spouse, whether for validation or for accusation but that you'd keep your eyes on your own paper, so to speak, so that the Lord can do in you what he wants and desires. And I will be on vacation next week, so I will be talking to you guys again on May 27th. I hope you all have a great couple of weeks, and I can't wait to be back with you. Bye-bye.